Amen. Right, today we're going to talk on um, the guilt condemnation free life, or the guilt condemnation free financial life of the early church. Where we can just see what Christ has done for the church and how free we have really become. And, uh, you know, we've just, for those of you that watch via the internet, welcome to the service. We've just sang that song, You're Not Guilty Anymore, and if you can, you can do yourself a favor, just play it. And just hear God uh, say to you that you're not guilty anymore. Because so many times when we hear the word money, guilt just wants to grab a hold of our hearts. And uh, just hear Him first say, you're not guilty anymore. Because it's so difficult to hear God's word when you, about a certain topic, if you feel that you are guilty. You're not guilty anymore. doesn't matter what. You're not guilty anymore because of the high priest, Jesus Christ, that took away the sin of all the world. Hallelujah. You know, uh, while we were worshipping, I was thinking of, um, you know, the, ju the justice of God. His, his justice is like the ocean's waves. It just, just, just comes all the time. It's unending. I mean, you can go down, um, you know, to the beach here and you will see there's no time that those waves will not will stop. It's going to come continually, unending. You might, it, the, the size may vary, but it's, it's unending. The tide is unending. It's, and and it, it will always, if you look at the tide, you know, um, as long as what the earth turns, there's a tide. It never, never stops. That's how the justice of God is. And the justice of God is not defined in punishing people and killing people in the end time. That's not God's justice. You know, when God made man, and when he, when he placed man on the earth for the purpose to be a partaker of his quality of life, and he saw man and his design, his man, fall into this absolute death, he just thought that it's not just for this man, for my man, to live like that. And he demonstrated his justice in Jesus Christ in taking away all guilt and reuniting man with God in the Godhead that we can experience his life. That's the justice of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, while I was praying the prayer this morning, you know, I, I realized that these words we speak can only come from divinity. A human mind cannot think of those concepts. It's born in God. And it is the justice of God that allows me to teach these teachings on finances. Because God doesn't think it's just for man to live in guilt and in condemnation. It's not just that God's people live in fear when it comes to the future and the, 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 their provision. It's not right. Therefore, God has included in the finished work of Jesus Christ absolute peace, absolute joy, tranquility. If you think of a pond that is, you know, and, and there's no one, that absolute stillness, that peace is what you need to have when it comes to your finances. And that is not, there's no command, you must have peace. He produces the peace. You just need to have the right information. If you can hear what He hears, and you eventually can start to believe what He believes, you will have His peace. And that is His whole plan with you concerning money. And for those of you that watch via the internet, and people that maybe are here for the first time, um, 
you know, I'm not against the law. I'm not against anything, but I'm for something. And it's like uh, one of my Facebook friends, uh, Gwen Lilly, she said, it's like a fish. You know, a fish is not against walking on dry land. He's just a fish. <laughs> you know, it's outside of his nature, outside of his design to be legalistic and to function in legalism. So I'm not against something. So for all those that are pro, pro fish walking on dry land, I'm not against what you, what you say. I'm just, I just want to be myself and I want to... Uh, preach what is natural to the human race. Glory to God. So um, um, let's start off. <clears throat> if, you, if you think of God's justice, sometimes brings fear, but God's justice brings freedom. If we're going to read from Ephesians, we're going to read from Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. And let me just turn there quickly and, um, and read it. Such a powerful verse. <clears throat> It basically talks about boasting in your works. And then it says that um, we cannot boast in our works anymore, for we have been, de we have been made for good works. It's basically um, like a bird boasting because he can fly amongst other birds. You know, all birds can fly. You know, why do you want to boast in your works if that is, that's your design? You know, um, and the moment we come to the place where we realize that, that um, our, the purpose why God made us was not to offer Him good works so that He can feel good about you, but when we realize that God has created good works um, beforehand so that we could walk in it, so that we could experience what it is to be like Him, then good works becomes a beautiful thing and not a bad thing. Okay, so let's read Ephesians here, uh, 2 and verse 10. It says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in Him, or in it. So what it says here is that we have been created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Your willpower can never bring forth the good work God has intended. In Christ Jesus, you are created unto good works. By His doing, you are created unto good works. Now, it says here that before time, basically, beforehand, God created these good works so that we could walk in it and then by Christ He came and designed a being that can actually function in these good works. Now, where did these good works come from? These good works was alive long before the earth was made. The good works like loving one another, caring for one another, having respect, being generous, um, you know, having a, a, a mindset where you see the value of the other person and not... It's not works orientated where you don't judge a person based on what you've given the person, but you judge the person based on the, the, his, his birth, uh, where he comes from, his origin. When you start to realize that that truth was in the Godhead long before, and God lived that good works life based on who He is, based on His design. For the Father loved the Son. The Father had respect for the Son. The Son had respect for the Father, and vice versa. And, this, and, 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 and these good works was alive in the Godhead. And that was how these good works was basically prepared for us. 
So God said that, listen man, this is the most wonderful life. This life where we could have a revelation of the value of the other person to the point that that revelation brings forth a, a manifestation of something called respect or something called uh, love. You know, is this is the highest form of life. This is the highest form of life. I think I put it on Facebook, I word it this way. Is, um, the highest form of life is not just to receive God's love. But the highest form of life is when He's loved, love, has, you've been so loved by Him that it has formed who He is in you so that what flows from Him can flow through you. So when you feel that what He felt when He gave His Son, that was what the whole thing is all about. Um, you know, it's, it's, it would be something like if you like uh, uh, skydiving and you really, that, that is the, the best thing there is for you, that absolute feeling of freedom, that feeling of when you stand inside the airplane and you jump out and you do the free fall and it's just like, I mean once I, I, I also jumped out of airplane, you know, you hear nothing, it's just the wind and you. It's all there is. It's, it's almost the only place where you can really be alone. <laughs> it is, it's, a, it's an absolute peace. That, that, and one day I went sailing, you know, on Lake Malawi. And was, I, I got the very same feeling. Sailing in the middle of the lake there. And just, it's just this wind. And, and you just hear the wind a little bit in the sail. And, and just the water breaking. It's just like this awesome, awesome freedom. Now imagine I want people to feel what I feel. It would be impossible to have them feel it without preparing a boat for them or a parachute <laughs> because you cannot have it unless those things are present because how will you unless you know you can I mean everything needs to be in place everything needs to be fully in place for you to to have that so God you know saw another being the father saw the son and, and they loved each other. So when God made man and He said, you know, this love that we have for each other, these actions of goodwill towards each other, you know, we want other people, we want other beings to experience this. Yet there is no other being like us. So He went and He made a man in His image and in His likeness, gave him the ability to multiply so that he could have objects on which he could bestow this love that he's experiencing from the Father. So the end goal for God wasn't just for you to act right. You know, acting right means nothing to God. What means something to God is when your heart overflows with what is in His heart to the point that it flows out of you. That the end goal for, that God had for you was to experience how He lives. And the law can never produce that. Uh, the law concerning money, any form of indebtedness can never produce that. The Father and the Son don't owe each other anything. Jesus doesn't, you know, once a month wake up with the emotion of I owe the Father 10%. Because if it was true, 
that Jesus owed the Father 10%, then Jesus could never feel what it feels to be like the Father to don't have any debt. And his life could never be born from the life the Father has. So true financial freedom can only start from the platform of no guilt. No guilt. You know, we're still going to get into, into the whole tithing thing, but let me just say this. Um, I, uh, in these two sessions today, I'm going to talk about your nature and how God loves you and what you've been designed for and how free will giving and um, how, how to know where and, and to whom to give. Those kind of things. We're going to discuss that from the platform of a new nature and God's quality of life. Uh, if, I, if the end goal of my teaching is to uh, take a bigger offering from the church, you know, I've just failed miserably. I, I can't have a, this, this big vision in mind with, you know, we wanted this and we wanted this and we wanted that. And then I've got the abundance of merchandise. In other words, the abundance, if those of you that heard the first teaching on the abundance of merchandise, I can't repeat it now, but I look at the abundance of things, the visions that God has given me, and now I take this abundance of vision of things, and I make that the core of my heart, and now from there I teach on finances because I need it funded. My wisdom is corrupted, and it is satanic. That is what it is. You can go and read it. I don't say that, I mean, we can have all those visions, thank God for that. I mean, in my heart there's many visions, but I can't have the abundance of visions form the, my belief concerning money in the church. Because that will, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how pure that vision is, it doesn't even matter if God gave that vision. The problem that happened in the beginning and the fall of Satan was not because of evil thoughts of trying to, hating God and all those kind of things. He took all the things that God gave him and found, the, found his life in the abundance of what God gave him. And not in God that made him and in how God made him. Let me explain that. God gives people stuff. God has given you so many things. And in the beginning when God made Satan, you know, um, before, he was fall, before his fall, he was perfect. He was more beautiful than all the other creatures. And the Bible says because of the abundance of his merchandise, he looked at all the things God gave him. And then the simple verse that Jesus quoted in Luke 12, I think it's Luke 12 there, it says, A man's life does not consist out of the abundance of his possessions. Then he took the abundance of possessions that God gave him and he formed, made a conclusion on who he was based on what God gave him. The money God gives you can never define you. If, you've, if, if I've got a million likes on my Facebook page, it can never define me. Never. There's one definition about me and it is Jesus Christ the man in the Godhead. Amen. And when I look at the abundance of visions God's given me and the abundance of things and I make that my belief on who I am and what I must do based on these visions, my wisdom is corrupted and my interpretation of scripture becomes skew and I will abuse people and myself and will be caught by the enemy in a trap that we've never wanted to be in. We have been created for good works. So the most natural thing for you to do, once you are loved by God, would be to, in, in your finances, is to love 
fear free. Now that's just a foreign concept, you know? No fear and money. I mean, how do you put these two together? No fear and money. No way! Listen, just watch the news. And you will know that there is no stability in this world concerning money. Never. There is not. It is just an in, it's not stable. The only stable thing that there can ever be about money is one thing, it's called contentment. It's something that God gives you. <laughs> Glory to God. And I want to tell you, I, I'm going to preach these things because the, the end goal of this is to see people truly free. Not living in fear, not living with a heart where you, you want to give or help somebody in the church or a family member or somebody and whenever you, you want to do it, fear grabs your heart so much. The end goal here is not to get you to give. The end goal here is to have you so free that you can experience God's kind of life where He says, I love the world so much that I gave. The end goal is to experience His life. And God created things like giving and this and that and whatever as instruments wherein you can experience this life. But it cannot be experienced as a command. It can only be experienced as an overflow of a revelation. Amen. Yes. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. What does no condemnation really mean? The Bible says in Romans 7, it talks about a life under the law. A life under the law, Paul said that that which I wanted to do, I could not do because I was married to the law. And the law was bearing its fruit in me, which is called the ministration of death. And it was killing me. And that which I, I looked at the law, and I looked at what was good, like one of the commands there is, uh, don't, uh, don't covet you know so and as I looked at the command and I wanted to obey the command I found the inability to do it in other words what Paul was saying is I wasn't living from the place where where I was where I was so looking at the love of God that his love overwhelmed me to the point that I don't covet he was saying well I should not covet so let me not covet that's what he was doing. It sounds the same, but it's not the same. It's worlds. It's, it's a God apart. That's <laughs> the only way I can explain it. In the one, there's just a God missing. The Almighty is missing in the one. And the other one, God is the source of discontentment wherein you don't covet anything anybody else has because of this overwhelming contentment that took place in the revelation of your full acceptance and innocence before God. Now Paul Paul's tried to obey that law. And when he tried to obey that law, he found that he was condemned. The word condemn is a legal term. It's not the word guilt. Guilt is the emotion that is in your heart when you feel you haven't measured up. Condemnation is a legal term which is, which is used when somebody was found guilty and then he's condemned unto a year in prison or he's condemned unto tot a gevangenis. You know, he's caught, in, he's entrapped, he can't be free. He's condemned, condemned unto a bondage. So, in the early church, you know, what, what Paul was preaching, what we were seeing there was no condemnation. No condemnation. We felt even, we we even see, um, you know, that the the church in 2 Corinthians 8 gave so much that it was actually an example unto the rich church. 
And this giving that came forth was uh, the sign of their liberty, how they have been liberated. It was never a command. It was a joy because of gratitude that came into their hearts, not even towards God, but towards the church in Jerusalem. Next Sunday we'll talk more about that. But here we, we see that God has come to take away a life where you are condemned unto something you've never been designed for. We as humans are fully the God kind, and we've never been designed for looking at somebody that's in a need, having the means to help that person, and then be so bound by fear that we cannot even do what we want to do. There is no condemnation anymore for those who are in Christ. What has happened in this world, we've been so, de- we've been, we, we've, we, we defined ourselves so much by our money and our, you know, our income that we are so condemned with, by what the bank account says because of not having a true revelation on who the Father is, because of the church and unfortunately, in a great extent, the grace church worldwide, so scared to take the step to true freedom when it comes to finances. We can say, we, we want to say there's no guilt for you. You don't owe God anything. Nothing belongs to God anymore. We have been, everything belongs to us. He's given us the kingdom. He's come to live with us now. We can say that, but when it comes to money, we still owe God something. And therefore, we find that the church has never been truly free and has, has never experienced what real freedom is in money. And I want to tell you this, uh, I think that there are very few people that has ever, in, in, in modern history, experienced true freedom when it comes to money. Because the truth has not been preached on it. It has not been preached. People were too scared to preach it. So we could not, this truth can only manifest if we preach the truth and somebody believes it. Even if Jesus took away all your sin and all your guilt and everything, unless you hear it and believe it, you can never live guilt free. Unless you hear the truth on finances and how you're not indebted anymore, we can never hear it, believe it and experience it. That's why the truth on it must be preached. That's why I'm going to preach for some weeks on this. You know, because the truth must get out there and people must be truly free so that we can see what true peace looks like, what true generosity looks like. Because we don't know what it is. We, we don't know. We've got no, we don't know how it looks. We've got no point of reference. We can go and look at the early church. Some of them sold houses and brought it and shared it. Even the thought of that will make you scared. I'm not saying go and sell a house. It's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying give a cent. What I'm saying is, we need to come to the place where we're here. And be set free from condemnation where we're condemned to a life where we don't do what we really want to do. It took some time in my life, you know, where... Uh, it, it, it took God time to get my mind to shift concerning this. And not just a mind shift, but a heart shift. That now when I feel, man, give this person a thousand five hundred rand. And I just tell Eliana, put the money over. And she does it. 
and then let's give this person a thousand bucks and we do it and we want to go and buy that we do it because there's no more fear but I want to tell you this freedom that I am starting to experience now in my life I could never have experienced under the law the law could not set me free the more I was hearing you must tithe you must sow you must do these things if I must be honest with myself the more scared I was and it was actually my fear that was driving me to give something because if I don't give now I shall not have and I've never experienced what it is to live fear free but I'm starting to experience it now and it is the most wonderful life that belongs to every person and don't let anybody ever steal it from you through a teaching that is contrary to the truth so here clearly is that there is no condemnation Paul said when I was under the law that which I wanted to do I could not do I, he lived by fear he found that all manner of wild lust was breaking out in his life because of trying to obey some law feeling he owes God um, you know not he will pay God and bless God and live up to God's standard by not coveting and when the simple thing of not coveting not wanting another person's money brought even sexual lust to manifest in the life of Paul the Apostle now you don't hear this many times because we want to preach Paul this perfect person that never did anything wrong but in Romans 7 Paul himself with his own mouth confessed that he was alive without the law and when legalism came he was condemned to sin and what sin did it grabbed a hold of his life enslaved him and is more powerful sin is more powerful than the willpower of a man and he couldn't be free and he was condemned to lusting all the time and then he realized, he wrote Romans 8 verse 1, he says, when I walk after the flesh, when I try to obey some commandment, I find that I am condemned unto this death. In money, we're talking about money, it is fear, making wrong decisions, business decisions based on this fear, and stinginess. Stinginess will condemn you. It, it, let me put it, stinginess is the condemnation of the law on your life and stinginess will, will, will cause your heart to bring forth the emotion of guilt in you so you will be a person that say I'm under grace I'm under the love of God and you're condemned to a certain area in a certain area not because of grace but because of the law and now you will even feel bad about it and that will steal your, your boldness before God. And we're going to read that verse where, where, where that is explained. So, let me just recap here. I don't want to forget anything here. Number one, God's number one plan for us was for us to experience His quality of life. To, to know what it is to love to the point that you can give of yourself that's what God wants and I was thinking that I was always thinking God wants my stuff as if he needs anything no 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 God wanted to give his experience of life to me therefore he created things and make it known to us called generosity and no, don't covet and love each other and all those kind of things those things cannot manifest without this word the word let you know, I never understood this, but the other day I, I, I saw it. The Bible says, 
In the Bible, in the beginning, God said, let us make man. That word let <laughs> means something. It talks, it immediately talks about unity. It talks about asking someone else's permission. Let's do it. It's like saying, let us, if I tell my wife, let us go, uh, for, let, let us go away for a weekend. What I'm saying is, would it be okay with you? That's what I'm saying. Let us do this. Allow us to do this. So when the Father created the Son, or when the Father and the Son created man, the Father said to the Son, said to the Holy Spirit, let us make a man. So when the Father felt it, what He was actually wanting, He was wanting the Son to feel the very same thing. He wanted the Holy Spirit to have the very same vision and passion. And in this unity, they made a man. So now the Bible says, let us love one another, or let us be generous. So what it means is, what God says, let us do this, it says, let, let me give you the revelation that I have about a certain thing, so that you can have the freedom to be generous. So let's be generous, or let's give. That's how giving works. In the New Testament. That's, the new, that's how the New Testament church worked. And Paul carefully guarded his people against guys that just wanted money, money, money and preached money out of the church. Paul even came and he said, when he preached, he said, guys, when I preached to you, you didn't give me any money. Now these other apostles come and they preach to you and all they want is money from you and you give them money then their gospel corrupts you and then you push me away that's what Paul wrote in Corinthians Paul said he clearly warned people that bring, brings in this legalistic system of putting obligation on people to give because the moment you put obligation on somebody you've stripped him and robbed him from the opportunity where he could hear love in that area and feel what it feels to be generous as God is generous so I just want to say in this church and people watching me via the internet the vision that I have in, in this in this message is for you to experience God intended generosity for the purpose of feeling what it feels to be like Him. The end goal is not to get money from you. Some people might give towards this ministry or this church, others might give towards your mom or your dad or somebody that you've always wanted to but you were so scared because you could never help that person. It's as you feel free. This is what it is. And in absolute freedom, there, we don't have to fear for the church. Glory to God. If grace cannot pay the vision, then the vision is not from God. Simple. If grace cannot build the building and you need to have some form of you owe God. Maybe your vision is not from God or you are still not really set free. Knowing that God can bring that forth. Glory to God. So a life that's condemned is a fear-based life. A life where you, um, you don't 
live based on the value of others because you are condemned by legalism and your wisdom gets corrupted. Your wisdom gets corrupted. So, to be condemned means to be in some law in your life where you feel condemned in the area, of, or where you feel guilty in the area of your money, where you are condemned unto being stingy and living in fear, and then your wisdom gets corrupted. I will only give to a person if he lives right. I will only do something good if they do this, if they do that. You know, I've changed my whole view on giving money to poor people in the street. Why must I first live right before I do something for them? And God gives to me before I do something right. You know, and, and, and my whole vision's changing. You know, I, I'm thinking, if I want to give him something, rather give him something for the purpose of, you know, and, and try and say something to him that can change his belief about himself. Because money can never solve his problem. And sometimes you give him money, it just keeps him alive long enough that he can hear the gospel somewhere and be saved. You know, it can happen that way. And you've got the freedom to live in, in, to, to just have this thing live, live in your life. First John chapter 3, the last verse we're going to read today. It says, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before Him. Now listen to this. This sounds like a very legalistic thing, but when God made us to experience what it is to free fall you know there has to, there'll have to come a time when you have to strap that parachute on you know and jump out of the plane you'll have to come to a place where you're so loved and you, you've got this vision for freedom that you say yeah, I, there's something this person experienced that's so good and I start to see what true freedom is and I'm gonna th this is now mine I'm gonna do it now you know and then when you when you hear about this and you say, I've been made for this, and you've never been in an aeroplane, and you've never had a parachute strapped to your back, then something will come to your mind that will ask you, have you really been made to skydive? Ah, <laughs> oh, this is just a lie. It can't be the truth. And you, your own heart will condemn you. I know I'm the righteousness of God. And my works is not the final word on my righteousness. But if I would go today, being the righteousness of God, and having the holiness of God, and I cheat on my wife and I sleep around, and I'm completely bound in pornography and molest children, even though I'm the righteousness of God, I will, I will live a miserable life in this earth. Because the word that God speaks about me, and what is in my life doesn't line up. Yeah. So what I'll do all the time, I'll all the time confess, I'm the righteousness of God, I'm the righteousness of God, I'm the righteousness of God. And I will have this double life and my heart will be torn in two and your own heart will condemn you. But what he says here is, let us love one another. In other words, allow, how do you allow? You allow God to love you and you allow yourself to believe that this is what you've been created for. I have not been created for just, just to be loved on. I've been created for to know what it feels like to love without having any strings attached. And that's how God, what, what, the end purpose of why God made me. Yes. 
to have a good friend that can feel what it feels to be like him and from this mutual experience of eternal life we fellowship with each other <laughs> you know I could go to God and say God it's so nice you know when I drive back normally off the service and when I'm at home and we edit the program and I will play some slots of what I preached and listen to myself preach I would say God that is such good stuff man I really enjoyed preaching that you know, when I could feel that I could go and preach there and I'm not there expecting something from the people, but I'm there to give. I feel what it feels like to share this revelation. You're so excited, almost like when Bertus comes to me or, or uh, uh, Hendry comes to me with a new trick they want to do, you know, jumping of something or whatever. Oh, you know, Dad, you must come and watch this. My son builds himself a gun. Shoots out fire. <laughs> He says, Dad, come and watch. You know, it's like there's something inside him. And now, when, I, when you start to live this life, you've got communion in the Godhead, sharing with the Father and talking about this wonderful life. And this is what he's trying to say here. Let us love one another. It's like, let us create a man. It's God's voice to you. Let us love. Will you allow this? Yes, I allow, Father. Amen. You live in me. Let us be generous and give towards this. Let us be generous and help this poor person. Let us be generous. Yes, we do it. After it was done, you feel that life, that was not just something came towards you, but the experience of it flowing and being in you and you. And now you can communicate this with the Father. Isn't that beautiful? Glory to God. Now let's read, let's read this verse. It says, My little children, let us love one another. Neither... Uh, love one uh, my children let us not love in word neither in tongue but let but in deed and in truth and that says and hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before God hereby that word know is experiential knowledge hereby by having this love or this generosity flow through us we don't have just have a word of that God has set me free and there's no condemnation unto, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, being bound to the law and sins. Hereby we can have experiential knowledge of the truth that God speaks every day. That's much different than having a command you must love. It says, and by this we will have experiential knowledge and our hearts will be assured before God. It's like Paul said, he says, God, give us, give us boldness to preach your gospel by stretching forth your hand to signs, wonders, and miracles. The signs, wonders, and miracles was not to get the apostles to believe. They prayed that long and they believed long before the miracle was there. But what happens when there's a manifestation or when we see the fruit of it, your heart doesn't come halfway through and tell you, is this true or not? You know, it's much better to live with only God's word in your mouth than having the word of Satan in your ears. You know, when Jesus was in the desert, what is a desert experience? A desert experience is when you see no fruit, yet you continue to believe the truth. Jesus was in the desert, he saw no fruit. He was called the Son of God, but he didn't have food, he had no followers, he had no disciples, he lived in the desert, he was stinking because he hasn't bathed for 40 days, and he was living in the middle of nowhere, and then the devil came to him and said to him, well, if you are the Son of God, do this, this, and this. 
It wasn't difficult when the miracles was happening around him and when the life was flowing. Then that voice wasn't there. But once, the, once it's not there, then that voice starts to come. Now, we're not going to find our life based in the fruit. But all that the fruit does is it confirms what we believe based on what He has said. So when we say, God is my provider, and you feel the unction to give something, and you say, God, my life, this life, I've come to the revelation that you are my provider, you give to me. Um, so when I pay this water and light bill, I pay it with freedom. I don't pay it with fear. Why do you every time want to fear when you go and pay the water and lights? You've paid the last 20 years fearing and you've always come through. So now pay it without fearing. <laughs> you fill up your tank with fuel and you fear. It's difficult to say, Mark 4. <laughs> If you drive the Pajero, it's 1,300 Rand to fill the thing up. So, Mark 4. Maybe you've got 20,000 Rand, but you can't say, fill up. Why? What is it? That you want to put 200 Rand in, but you've got 20,000 Rand, and you've got, you're going to drive out 1,500 Rand anyway, but you don't want to take some of that money there and fill up the thing. Well, God, you have now set me free that I can put fuel in my car. I'm anyway going to drive more than a tank, so I can fill it up. Because, and that's what my life is there for. And thank you, Father, that I go in this persuasion, and I live from this persuasion when I go and buy things and do things. And what has happened normally in the word of faith system was, well, because I feel this, I'm going to now be irresponsible and just... Buy crazy stuff. Now just live your normal life in peace. Glory to God. Amen. And when it comes to giving, you know, where you, you don't have to, oh my goodness, you know, now we've got to give again, and you find that fear. Lord, thank you. That when it comes to the, the church, when it comes to your work, when it comes to all those things, and it comes to the poor, and people that it need, my heart, my life, is an instrument of how good you are. And you've been so good to share your life with me. And as from today, I, th I see how this revelation is dawning upon me. That's what I've been made for. I've been created to experience this. And as you give, and as you pay, pay things that way, you'll find the voice of, oh yeah, you know, is God really your provider? Is He going to come through this month? Leaves your heart. Because that is not, that is your own heart condemning you. Your own heart binding you more and more and more. It's not God. So this is what I want to say. Let us have a life, you know, where we realize what we have been created for. For if our heart... Now listen to this. I want to read the whole verse there. Our hearts shall be assured before God when we see His Word that complete calmness, no war, no fight will come when we see Him bearing His fruit. Not you copying His fruit. Him bearing His fruit. And you hearing His voice. Those two things together. It's an absolute life of peace. Now, what 
What if it is not like that? Listen, it continues, it says, But if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our hearts and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart condemns us not, then have we confidence towards God. I do have confidence towards God, even if I don't live right. But my confidence is absolutely perfected as I see Him bearing His fruit in us. I've got no confidence when I try to obey a law to please God. I've started with having no confidence. So we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. The early church was a church where the Apostle Paul preached the message of no condemnation unto a life of enslavement of the sins of the flesh. So we don't have to be people that are stingy. We don't have to be people that are uh, um, never walking in love. We don't have to be people. You know, I remember this time in my life when I just got into the message of grace. You know, you, you are so glad that you can do things you couldn't do before. And God will not be angry. And you start to, you, you live in a rebellion. And uh, you, you, you're upset, you know, with, with the old thing. And from that anger you basically live. And that life is not a good life. You're against people all the time. You feel like a gossip all the time. You feel, I remember the time when I didn't give. There was two years. I felt the Lord told me not to give. And in those two years of not giving, I realized that I'm made to give. I'll frustrate the life out of me if I can't give something away. It's my very design. I've been designed to be a partaker of that. And why are we going to allow the lie to bear its fruit in our lives with stinginess and fear? Many of us grew up in a life where, you know, our parents, our parents' parents came out of the Great Depression. You know, you get all your course booty. Now it came from, that was the only food there is, and we don't know when we're going to have again. And that mindset as, as, as man you know and if somebody come and visit his plate must be this full and he must eat everything otherwise no sweets no sweets that's it no sweets no pudding a law in the eating I remember my one friend he, um, he's a big guy <laughs> so he went to uh, this farm and, uh, and they did that to him so Dirk van Rensburg so he, uh, he ate all the food, you know, it was, but it wasn't farm people. They lived in, actually in in um, in, in, Klerksdorp, or in um, Fentersdorp, these people. They came from the farm, live in town. And so the, the woman there is a big guy, you know, very strong guy. And he says, put it is your course, you know, and he, he gave it. And so when Eldred gave the food, so you eat, you know. So they, he ate all the food. And then after eating the food, the woman comes with another plate. <laughs> And he ate it all. <laughs> and then, <laughs> this is what, and then the woman said this. He says, you know you're full when you, you, you sit at the table, four fingers, and when the table moves. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> he ate all the food. And then they came to him with pudding. Do you want pudding? He didn't even answer anything. He just went like this. <laughs> And that's a residue of the old, you know, depression years. And we grew up in a house where 
you go, you must save everything and, and, and you're actually bound. God is free. And He has created you for freedom. You don't have to save everything up all your life. What does it help you save everything up but you've never enjoyed the freedom of seeing the joy on somebody else's face when you give him something or fill up his tank with fuel or put new tires on his car for him or just help him with, even if it's a small thing, just help him, you know. That, that is true freedom. And that is what we have been created for, to partake in his quality of life. Amen and amen. Now, um, I end off with this. We're gonna we're gonna take these verses, uh, this this concept of free living, and how much He loves us, and how much He cares for us, and how He bears His fruit in us. We're gonna take that, and we're gonna take the this, the the message on, um, you know, how the abundance of merchandise can corrupt your wisdom, and we're gonna take the message on how God freely provides for you, which I preached last Sunday, and we're gonna use that as the standard of judging all scriptures. You know, does the scripture produce? Let me, let me give you, for instance, um, you know, if you sow, you will reap. Okay, now, what does that produce? Number one, it says that God cannot provide for you on the basis of Father. Yeah. It's impossible. Plus, it really leans itself towards lustful stuff. Because it uses the fearful things as the motivating factor the fear of not having things as the motivating factor for you to give something so what will happen is you will start to measure the abundance you will measure God's approval on your life by the abundance of your merchandise and your wisdom will be corrupted in how you read the Bible will destroy your whole life so we'll have to go and look at sowing and reaping. We'll have to go and look at how God provides. We'll have to go and look at all those verses used in the Old Testament. The Abrahamic tithe. We'll have to go and look at the Abrahamic tithe. Did Abraham give just because he felt free to give or not? And just go and study those things out in depth. You know, I've, for those of you watching via the internet, you know, I've, my greatest challenge is just to get some leaders to just sit around the table and talk to me about these things it's not even a thing of um, you know you're right or wrong it's just like I don't want to talk about it I don't want to talk about it because what if and you know I would, I would we can do it in private that's fine but I want a public platform <coughs> you know that, that will be very good public platform two three thousand people watching four guys discussing this from scripture and then the guy who's wrong repents in front of everybody, say, I'm sorry. <laughs> Tell his church he's misled them, you know, and get the true grace of God into the church. I tell you now, I'm not scared to debate any person on this topic because Jesus Christ came to take away legalism and he came to give his life as the only life for us. A debt-free, guilt-free condemnation free life I don't owe God I don't feel guilty anymore and I'm not condemned in the area of finances to fear and stinginess anymore I'm a new person and I experience his life Amen, Amen let's close our eyes Father I want to thank you so much for your great love thank you Father for the people that are in the church here people watching via the internet thank you Lord that we can 
not just debate this truth, but that we can experience its life. What a great revelation it was when I realized that good works wasn't something you commanded me to do, but the very thing designed by you wherein I can experience what it is to be like you, given that the passion to live in it comes from you loving me. What a great life. I thank you, Lord, I can pray for everybody via the internet, watching this. I thank you, Lord, that hearts can just be opened up. I want to pray for pastors and leaders especially. Father, I thank you that your Holy Spirit works in the hearts in such a way that the pride of life, being right, all those things will just disappear in the light of your love. I thank you, Lord, I can pray for church leaders that hear this and know just in their hearts that this is the truth. They can have the boldness to go to their congregations and declare to them the truth. I thank you for your provision for them in those times when their church goes through a bit of turmoil because of this and maybe income drops or it's just not as stable as, as what it always was under the legalism. That they will have the boldness and the courage to go through that to eventually see the fruit of generosity that can come by the resurrection power of Christ living in them. I thank you that I can pray for people in our church here right now. I don't even want to pray and say provide for them God, that's just who you are. I thank you Lord that contentment can just settle in their hearts. Thank you Lord that love can, can love, the love for people can overwhelm their hearts so much that they can say maybe I can't afford to buy that expensive thing because that will cause me not to give something to somebody because I love people. Thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace that can bear this great fruit in our lives. Amen and amen. amen. I want to encourage you to, um, to invite people to these services. You know, maybe you know people in the church somewhere and uh, say to them that we've got a series on finances. Just bring them because this can really set people free. You know, the number one testimony that I have, the number one testimony that I have of people being set free by, uh, that listen to my website is we thought we understood grace but when we listened to your series on finances we got delivered and we entered into the true grace of God Amen those of you that want to give you can give in the back and uh, please order these CDs give it to your friends God bless you